by the power of Castle Hate Skull. I am Hella Mark Harley, and today we are talking to a man named Sterling Cooper. He's one of my favorite YouTubers. He's a former male porn star and male escort. And before you halt your horses and say, whoa, 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 I didn't sign up for that kind of illicit material in my feed. Hold on a second, because if you're a guy, if you're someone who strives to be more masculine, more competent in the bedroom, more dominant at life, I think Sterling might have a lot to teach you. I know I have certainly learned a lot from him. He's got over 500 YouTube videos and each one of them is both entertaining and informative and he's got some cool courses online that he'll also tell you about. So without further ado, here is my super interesting conversation with Sterling Cooper. Uh, I am in fact very excited today to have Sterling Cooper on the podcast. You are one of the, you know, when, when I decided to start having guests on here and I, I put down a list of people, I'd say you were probably the top three or four um, just as a consumer of your content. I think it's great. I think it's informative. I think it's dynamic and interesting. And I credit you as one of these people who kind of drew me into what I would call the manosphere loosely, although there might be better terms to describe it, but it's like this male self-improvement with an edge of sexuality and more so in your case, because I think you get right to the point of like teaching sex as a as a skill that you can learn, right? Which I think is a big important thing to uh, learning how to be masculine, but also it doesn't stop there. It's just general, it overlaps into self-help and sort of psychology, I guess, how to be a more masculine, effective, competent man in general. And what I love about guys like you is you've been in the trenches. So when I pitch it to people, I was telling Brendan, he's like, who's this guy? And I'm like, well, he's a porn star, but like, I'm not coming to him as a fan of, you know, like I love you as a porn star. It's like, he just, he has the reps of, of being around women and, and knowing exactly how to navigate every situation uh, that has to deal with women. And I think that has a lot of overlap to just succeeding in life because you're going to get tested and you're going to doubt yourself. And, uh, you know, you, you got to learn some strategies. So without further ado, Sterling or Cooper, maybe you could talk more about yourself to sum it up better than I did. Well, look, thank you for having me on, Mark, and uh, and happy birthday. You told me before we went live that it is your birthday today. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate so, it. Don't want to, uh, you know, miss right. out on that. And as I said, I'm very happy to be spending it with you because I love doing something on my birthday that feels like, you know, so if you would have told me a year ago, you're going to be Zooming with Sterling Cooper, I would have been like, shut up, you're crazy, that's impossible, but here I am. <laughs> well, it took us long enough to get this uh, organized, but yeah, very patient with I, I, Yeah, sometimes that all just drop off. You, you miss a couple times and have to reschedule, and then it's like you just never hear from the person, so I do appreciate uh, the tenacity that you showed in showing you're up welcome, today. Welcome. And thank you for having me on, man, it's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah uh, for anyone who's not really familiar with, with me and my work, I'm, I'm Sterling Cooper, I am an award-winning adult film star, porn star, you can call me that. And uh, I also used to be a high-class male companion back in Australia. Used to get paid to uh, service wealthy businesswomen. Yeah. That's how I like to put it. Yeah, and now I, I've, I take that experience of, shall we say, performing under pressure, uh, you know, having sex in high-pressure scenarios, and I take my learnings and my teachings and my insights from that and I help guys in the bedroom. Yeah. And I help them, you know, and, and you mentioned this just a second ago. I think there's a, there's a strong kind of correlation between the dynamic in the bedroom and the dynamic outside the bedroom within a relationship. Yeah. And yeah. If a guy is, you know, embracing his, his true masculine nature in the bedroom, I think that massively reflects outside the bedroom. 
and it gives guys this edge of yeah. you know this this sexy edge this uh you know no bullshit this what we might define specifically as a masculine edge about them yeah. when they interact with women in general because if yeah. you if you kind of if you kind of know that you can rock a girl's world in yeah. the bedroom it translates like the way you look at a girl is totally different the way you talk to a girl is totally different and they can pick up on that instantly and i think it's a really good place for guys to to dive into and and hone their skills which will like it's a hell of a lot of fun when you know what you're doing in the bedroom and you can and you can perform well and you can you know rock a world and then it translates outside the bedroom you know you can kind of what there's a reason why they have the expression big dick energy i was just going to say that actually because that is true, and that word gets thrown a lot around a lot today, but I do think there's something to it because it sort of means sexual confidence. And let's think about the opposite for a second. When a guy has small dick energy, um, and maybe you could have a big dick or not, but it sort of, it does imply sexual incompetence, and it also kind of connotes really somebody overcompensating, you know, or or... Uh, perhaps giving some sort of signal to the world that he wouldn't be confident under pressure or when it counts in the bedroom, et cetera. And um, as you were speaking, I was thinking about <clears throat> most men probably don't understand the pressures that a porn star faces. And and if you've ever been in any alternative sex situation, like I've, you know, been in a room with more than one person having sex and the immediate uptick of stress that goes on and you're like oh wow getting an erection is no longer uh, you know a, a given right you have to have focus and uh i think i remember hearing from a director who used to film real couples and maybe it was even something related to your content i'm, I'm trying to dig back to what it was um, or maybe like a holly randall podcast but it was i think you're talking about holly randall i think you're right holly. yeah so and she said it was like an 80 percent of guys couldn't do it Right. Yep. And it was a very normal thing that you'd be like, hey, you want to, you know, it's every guy's dream, be a porn star, you know. But when it comes, you know, push comes to shove and it's time to perform, uh, because think about it. If you're in the bedroom and something, maybe, you know, you get a phone call that, you know, debt collectors are after you, it's like, try getting an erection after that or something, you know, right? It's so this sudden uptick in stress. So when I think about what you did and where you've been as a male escort and thinking, for example, this morning I was in the shower going, man, it is such a world of difference uh, as a male escort versus a female escort because you are, not only is the pressure to actually achieve and attain an erection physically, but also the entire experience of making that woman feel comfortable and still seducing her and charming her in a sense because mm -hmm. unlike women where a guy might hire her and it's just like, hey, show up, take your clothes off, I'm going to do my thing and this can be over in 10 minutes as a male escort, there's just much more impetus on you to provide a thorough experience from start to finish that makes the woman feel you know, very comfortable and loved and excited and all these different emotions. And kind of like a male stripper, I remember seeing this documentary on male strippers where it's like, oh, they got to create a whole character. They're picking women up on stage. It's like they earn their money, you know? It's not yeah. just go up there and flash your tits. <laughs> and maybe you could start there. You know, I, I would be interested to hear how you got into it, but I would just say whatever's the most interesting part of that experience for you and, and some takeaways for guys. Well, you're right in the sense that it's not just the the male escorts job is about selling this sort of fantasy and this and providing this experience right the boyfriend experience and it's not so much about specifically what you're doing in the bedroom obviously that is a 
that is happening at the end of the night, but two thirds of the entire interaction or three quarters of the entire interaction with her is the whining and dining experience, the romancing, the, cause you have to think about the, the kind of woman who is going to hire a male escort. Typically my typical client, she's mid thirties, uh, six figure earner or multiple six figure earner, like career businesswoman. She can't get on a date with the kind of man she wants to go on a date with. Yeah. Like, so let's, let's, you know, maybe guys who are kind of like her peers in her career, because those guys are dating like 18, 19, 20 year old chicks. Right. right? So she is looking for the kind of guy who's sort of at her level, her age, like good looking in shape, charming and witty. But unfortunately those guys aren't going after her. So my job is to come in and step in and make her feel loved again, to make her feel like she's beautiful, to make her feel like, I like to say, like, I, I like to make them feel like they're the only woman in the world. Like yeah. Everyone, everyone, every other woman on the planet is completely invisible to me wow. while I am there with her. And a lot of guys might confuse that, uh, that with like simpy behavior. Right. A lot of guys might, cause, cause there's a nuance to this, right? There's, there's the guy who's fawning over a woman and blowing smoke up her ass and telling her she's she's beautiful and she's gorgeous and she could do no wrong, but she ain't actually attracted to that guy. Yeah. And then there's the guy she is attracted to who she who she does respect, and then when that guy tells her she's beautiful or when that guy pays attention undivided attention to her, all of a sudden her panties get wet. <laughs> and there's a big difference between those two men, yeah. right? And so it's my job to be that. I mean, I am that guy, but it's also my job to sort of to be that guy to women that I might not necessarily do that to on on during my personal life. Right. So I can create, I can dive into that character and create that experience for her. And if I'm being honest, like I this kind of landed, it kind of lends hand in hand with my ability to act as a porn star as well, like the acting side of porn. Right. Because I'm you, you're living it. It's not like for for that entirety of that booking i am that guy i am i am believing that i'm into this this woman and i'm believing that interaction myself because if i believe it then she's going to believe it yeah yeah and that's not hard to imagine because i do as i mentioned before your content is very entertaining and the manner in which you speak your word selection your rhythm all these stuff as a performer you know as an actor myself i go this guy's got it and so you you have those skills but also, I just think there's so much human insight into what you're saying because it's like three different categories of things, as you mentioned, where it's like one thing is to bombard a woman with praise in which you're simping for her and, and going from a submissive position. And in my limited coaching to other men, because sometimes guys will just come to me and say, hey, what is this? What do you think about this text that I sent to somebody? And it's this block of text and they're saying, my queen, uh, I want to come over and cook you any meal you want. And I bought you this gift. And I'm like, you met this girl on Tinder last night. You know, <laughs> yeah, this you shouldn't be sending her a message as if, if it's your wife of 10 years and you're trying to reinvent whatever is going on there. So that's one thing. Learning how to be um, uh, be her fantasy from a position of leadership where you're making her feel like she's the only girl in the world, but, but balance that out. And I know this is something I've heard you talk about in a few different videos, still instilling or having the frame of a guy who has options, competition, anxiety, and stuff like that. That's a whole different conversation maybe, but 
you have to be giving this woman attention, but simultaneously looking, acting, presenting yourself as a guy who, if you looked at other girls, they would be interested in you too. And you're shunning that, right? And that's something that a lot of guys get confused, I think, is when a girl says, I want a nice guy, what she means is, I want this asshole who I'm attracted to to be nicer to me. <laughs> They're yes, not thinking finger. of the guy she doesn't she doesn't yep. want uh, being more nice, but it's just a very common misconception out there because we hear that so much. So mainstream, uh, the idea is you can sort of nice your way into a girl's panties, but it doesn't really work like that. You have to be confident and you have to be bold, but also hyper-focused on that woman and just be able to, I mean, I think empathy plays into this because I know when I was younger, I didn't understand how, you know, it's like, well, it, if I'm looking good, isn't that all a woman wants? Or you have these things that we're attracted to women because they show up and look good at a party. I'm like, okay, well, if I look good too, shouldn't that drop their panties? And you're like, nope, that's that's a tiny little slice. That's great and all, yeah. but you really have to get into the mind of a woman and see things from her perspective. And a lot of things uh, in that regard are counterintuitive uh, you know, to what a man thinks. And so yeah. have you always been uh, good with women or is this something that you learned through experience? I had to learn it through experience. Yeah. Uh, I would honestly, God, when I was a, when I was a teenager, I was a geek. I was a complete, complete nerd when I was a teenager, like scrawny. Uh, I was athletic. I played basketball my whole life, but yeah. I was, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely like, like top of like a grade, top of the class. No joke. Like top of my, top of my class uh, kind of geek. And yeah. uh, after my, I had like a relationship for like three years from like high school through to university. And when that fell apart, I ended up, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of like a man now. And I didn't really understand anything about women. And I was what was like, like 19, 20, probably like 19. Yeah. And so I had to kind of like learn a lot of that through my university years. And after graduating university, just like, meeting up with other guys, learning off other guys, going out to clubs and bars. Like uh, there was a space of a period of time where I went out like seven nights a week, every wow. night, not, not drinking either, like stone cold sober, just talking to chicks, trying to like yeah. develop those social skills and get a better understanding of human, human interactions. And then it paid off because I ended up, you know, slinging dick for a living. <laughs> uh, one of the, one of the things I'll say on the, the point you made a second ago is consider like that idea of, of being a man with options, right? That idea of abundance, of having abundance. Yeah. Think of it from a woman's perspective. If a guy who doesn't have any options at all gives her praise, well, then it's it's kind of meaningless. Like right. his his attention and his validation is kind of meaningless. Versus a guy who clearly has abundance and clearly has options. If he tells her she's beautiful, well, then it actually means something. Yeah, that his attention and his validation and his respect actually has weight to it compared to the other guy. Yeah, and attention as a currency, I think, is a concept that I've been thinking about a lot more lately. And maybe you know this intuitively after you've had enough experience with women, but you can, you know, so attention is this finite currency that obviously women are competing for from men, but also you can add value to your attention as an individual by becoming... Uh, higher value and uh, and making that actually worth something. And that, as you're saying, comes from uh, uh, having other people <laughs> sort of or looking like a guy or appearing or living as a guy who uh, who whose attention people value. Right. And so it's interesting about the 
the time that you spent in bars and clubs, because I think the first time I was introduced to the idea of pickup, you know, in 2005, reading the game or whatever, and this notion of just going out and getting these reps. And of course, that makes intuitive sense because you're like, oh, right, it's like football. It's like a sport. It's You just got to put in these thousand hours. Although it's cool. Nowadays, it's this community has seemed to morph into like, hey, don't go out there and just lie to women all the time. Or that's like, sure, use that as practice. But ultimately, the real thing should be becoming that guy, right? Becoming the guy who is excellent, who is confident, who is actually a high value masculine man. And so when he says these things and approaches in a certain way, it's authentic, right? Um, but how long did it take you to sort of master this, to go from being a dork, uh, a self-described, right, geek, to to feeling like you you had an understanding of how to uh, approach and interact with women without any anxiety? Because I think that's what most guys, what prevents most guys from doing that in the first place is it's tremendously anxiety inducing to approach women who you don't know. Yeah, probably took me a good uh, couple of years Probably good, good two years of consistent, of just consistent effort grinding. Yeah. And obviously during that time I had, I had girlfriends and I was going, and I, you know, I was having success, but after about a couple, after like a couple of years, it really started to sort of, it wasn't a thing I was doing anymore. It was who I was. It solidified in my yeah. head. Yeah. And that, that I, I, I kind of think of it as like a calming, right? Like be, it's just this calm energy around, like, the, the nervousness around women was replaced with just being calm. Yeah. I remember actually uh, trying when I was first kind of trying to use some of the things that I learned in, in the game or whatever in my early 20s. And, you know, I, looking back, it's like, man, you just there's so many things about being in your early 20s that a guy, as a guy that are a disadvantage. But I remember going into certain social situations with higher energy that was then was needed when you kind of come in and you're like, Hey, what's up? Like there's a time and a place for it, but you're almost like in my mind, a mistake was thinking that you kind of have to be entertaining to somebody as if yeah. you're on like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to crack a joke and turn to you and be kind of almost bordering on manic in order to, uh, get women to be attracted to you or be captivating. But the truth is almost the opposite. As you're saying, the more you can calm yourself down because that signals to somebody, that, you know, in part, something we've already talked about, high value because this is nothing to you. Talking to people and uh, a beautiful woman doesn't escalate your heart rate, right, which is the first step in sort of the physical manifestation of stress. So if you can approach a beautiful woman who, who's used to men being nervous around her with a calm energy, uh, I think it conveys a lot to women. So maybe you could talk about that. Think about the what causes nervousness in social interactions. We are always, if you look, if let's say you're in a room with a celebrity yeah, and there's a group of people around that celebrity all listening to him. He is usually the most calm person in the room and everybody else is emotionally reacting to him. Yeah, He says something, everyone else bursts out into laughter or they start to fidget with their body. They can't sort of control, like they're touching their face at them, you know, fiddling with their hands or something like that, right? So the idea of, the way I think about it is the idea of how calm you can be in a social interaction or in an interaction with women tells you, or tells her rather, how hard it is for people to emotionally affect you. 
Yeah. And that the ability to be unaffected emotionally is a big signal of status. Yeah. Right. Because the person at the very, the person who's the most nervous, the most, you know, uh, the most nervous, the most fidgety, the most awkward is typically the person with the lowest status in a social interaction. Yeah. Yeah. The person who's calm and collected and uh, has confidence in what they're saying, again, tends to have the highest status in in an interaction. That's a really interesting way to put it that I think I've often associated uh, my own attitudes on stoicism with masculinity, right? And I love that maybe, uh, you know, I, I feel like I deal with certain stresses pretty well or, or things I've seen, you know, I love it when you're with a girl and they freak out and you're just like, I got this, babe. You know, that's a great thing to do, right? Yeah. But pairing it with status is a really interesting observation um, that I find to be very true. And I do think that is sort of this cornerstone of masculinity and status as like a big chunk is just how you react to things. Because I do think, I always re try to remind guys, we are not that long removed from living in tribes, uh, from being in situations where when that saber-toothed tiger comes up, you know, you can't as a guy be going, ah, right? You gotta be, I'm, I'm gonna handle this, right? And whatever situation, but we're not that far removed from sort of daily life and death situations in which men are expected to confront the problem uh, with a cool head, with uh, without fear, uh, without running away, without shitting their pants, and uh, there are ways to convey that, uh, which is a very primal, you know, lizard braid signifier to the people around you, you know, that you are confident, masculine, uh, high value, and are somebody who uh, you should stick closely to, right? Um, mm. So I've never really paired that in my, you know, as far as status, but it's it's totally true. And the celebrity thing, I was going to say, Neil Brennan has this joke about being around celebrities. You can pretend like it doesn't affect you. Like when you're driving next to a cop, it's like you can pretend like you're driving <laughs> normally, <laughs> but everyone is stressed out. I've never related to something more in my life. I'm like, God damn, it's so true. You see a cop and you're just like, nothing wrong here. No weed in my pocket. Ha <laughs> Everything's fine. Um, but the truth is you're kind of freaking out. And I've noticed that a lot more lately when I've seen people interact with maybe people who are celebrities that uh, that I know or interact with more. And then uh, you see how even grown men will kind of become like little <laughs> emotional reactive girls. Um, mm -hmm. And it's obviously a subconscious effect, but that's a great way of putting it. The people around you are emotionally reacting to you. And, and I think that's you know, it's one of the best ways that you can actually network and st like stand out in networking with with really successful men like wealthy men you know celebrities people of competence people of success yeah. one of the easiest ways to stand out and actually befriend them and network with them is by by just staying calm and not right you know acting, not acting like a goddamn fanboy right the skill of having a normal conversation with somebody high value that is not to be underlooked, and it's something that I think about often. And, and never, if I, you know, I have a rule about going, never ask somebody for a picture or this or that, or or kind of treat them, you know, also just on a human level. Because I go, I don't, you know, if you were that person, would you want to be sort of treated like an object who you're going to pose with for a picture? No, of course not. And you yeah. don't want to have an annoying conversation where somebody tells you their life story and how big of a fan they were. They just want to have a a normal minimalistic conversation and remember you don't know this person right and, and what what the internet does is it creates this phenomenon of familiarity yeah so if you're on the internet in any way like mm -hmm. i'm on the internet on youtube and i'm also on the internet on various other 
Yeah. Sites. Yeah, I imagine you get you get uh, uh, noticed and, and approached quite a bit. Yeah, it happens here and there. But yeah. people people think they know you because they they know they know a certain side of you that is on the internet, and so there's like one way familiarity. Yeah. So people come up to you as though they they've known you your entire life but you don't have any clue who this person is. They're still a complete stranger to you. So yeah. that that polarity of familiarity is what creates that kind of fanboy dynamic. Right, yeah. So if you've ever found yourself asking, Mark, is it Tadalafil that you take right before you have sex with all the gorgeous women in your life? No, it's actually Kratom. And where do I get that Kratom from? HappyHippoHerbals.com. And how do I pay for it? Well, first of all, I use my mom's credit card. Second of all, I use promo code THICKBOY with three C's for 20% off. It makes it affordable, okay? It makes it something that I feel good about purchasing and that helps me blow women away in the bedroom as if I'm a Sterling Cooper student. And we're talking about getting women here and becoming the best, most masculine guy that you can be. You know what's important too with regards to that? Clothing. Oak and stone clothing to be specific because... When I wear shirts like this, a low-cut, long-sleeve, body-hugging, chest-pocket-having, navy-blue-projecting type of shirt from Oak and Stone, I feel good about myself. And you know what? Women pick up on it, and they say, that's a guy who knows how to dress, and all of a sudden, I'm sliding out of my chair and right into your arms. Oakandstoneclothing.com, use code HELLA for 10% off at checkout and thank me later when you're beating the ladies off with an oak and stone shirt. <laughs> and, uh, and I do think you can talk yourself out of it. It's sort of this default. And it's like, so I, at the same time, I have understanding for that. But at the same time, it to me, it often is a signifier of immaturity or something that it's like, hey man, I, I understand the instinct, but also think the next step beyond that and, and have some basic human decency. I was just listening to a, a clip from Andrew Tate about how he, he goes, uh, I've started hiring bodyguards, not for me, but for you guys, because if you run up to me all excited and start screaming yeah. my name, I have a gun on me. You know, you might get shot. And, and I feel like in that case, you know, in, in his case, it is very real because he's going to be in some of these places around the world where you don't know. Or, I mean, anywhere in the world really could be potentially dangerous if a guy's, you know, if you're well known and somebody's running up to you. But, uh, you know, yeah. basic social skills. And I think a lot of that, what. I'm interested, I think what you're a master of and what many guys could benefit from because I was, you know, I have a lot of little points that I want to get to drawing from your videos that I just relate to particularly, but one of them, you know, it's actually one that I didn't watch, but it was how to not be a creep essentially or, you know, things you can do to not come across like a creep. And I don't think men... The average guy who's coming to me or, or not having success with women or, or, you know, again, not that I'm a coach, but I can point guys in the right direction. And one of these things is you have to master basic social skills because it's an immediate turnoff to women. And if you don't have that self-awareness of, of how your actions and words are coming across to both men and women, it's going to undermine you in in everyday situations and you'll have no idea why things aren't going your way. So maybe you could talk about the importance mm. of social skills, just the basic stuff. Yeah, I mean, not not being creepy is paramount when it comes to having any kind of success with interacting with women. And I personally frame it like 
what women interpret as creepy, I like to define as incongruency. Incongruency. I think it's, yeah. I think it's much easier for guys to kind of understand this concept with, with their more logical brain. Yeah. And I think I, I categorize incongruency as, okay, are your thoughts, your words, and your actions in alignment with one another? Or are they out of alignment? Right? Yeah. So for example, am I, if I'm trying to, in the bedroom, this is actually a perfect example of, of, of something that can help guys in the bedroom. If, if I'm in the bedroom and I'm trying to act more dominant, I'm trying to do dominant actions, let's yeah. say, let's say, let's say I'm trying to pull a girl's hair, right? Yeah. Probably. I'm doing dominant things. I'm saying, I might be saying, oh, some, some dirty talk line, which comes, which is like supposed to be kind of dominant. But yeah. in my head, I'm thinking, oh shit, I hope this works. This, this is really <laughs> scary. Uh, I hope she really likes me. I've never yeah. done this before. I'm so nervous. Yeah. Okay, well, there's an incongruence there. The thoughts don't match the words and the actions. Yeah. And women especially are super good at picking up that incongruency. It's like tiny little things in your body language yeah. which give away your your actual internal mental state and so if you're think if you're not thinking you know that you are the fucking man yeah. and you're a sex beast when you're trying to pull off this kind of more dominant stuff in the bedroom she can pick up on that instantly yeah and it makes her feel ironically it makes her feel unsafe right right and this might make for this might sound a bit counterintuitive if I'm, you know, trying to do something a bit physically aggressive, like pull a girl's hair or maybe choke her in the bedroom, right? Yeah. What makes her get into that and feel sexy and safe in that action is her knowing that I'm confident in doing it, that yeah. I'm not nervous about doing performing that action. Because if a guy is nervous about doing it to her, well, then she has a reason to feel like he's going to fuck it up. <laughs> right. No, that's... Like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not actually who he says he is. He's acting this dominant way, but he doesn't actually believe it. Like, is this guy lying to me? Like all, it, all these paranoid thoughts can start creeping into her head just from this tiny little misalignment in your thoughts and what you're actually doing. That's an amazing way to put it because I always, you know, I'm a big fan of breaking down words or, or swapping that out and going, is there a better word? For example, I remember in high school and college, girls would use the term sketchy, right? Which is sort of an uh, analogous to creepy, but it's, I'm like, what does that even mean? It's sort of like douchebag, you know? And a lot of people will call me douchebag. And it's like, I used to take that personally. And now I see it's more of a reflection of, you know, there's, a, there's words that you can swap out. It's just basically saying this guy makes me uncomfortable. It's almost like, the fee, you know the male version of saying you're creepy it's like this guy does something feels incongruous or i don't like it. whatever it is it's it's an emotional reaction and i really like that notion of incongruity because when you think about okay if you're a sociopath or like women are have to be equipped with much more sensitive calibration to sort of dark triad traits or somebody who's going to take advantage or even, you know, on the other end of that, somebody who's particularly weak but, but trending not to because that is a life that could lead them to a life or death situation where if you say you have the skills to protect or, or the confidence to fight somebody off and then you don't, that's a very dangerous situation. So that all makes sense in a very primal evolutionary uh, sense. And I 
can just relate to when you discover as a guy that like, for example, because this mainstream narrative and what you're fed is a guy growing up in America and probably many other places too is like, don't, you know, you just had a, a video about how to treat a woman like an object. It sounds misogynistic. It sounds terrible. But really, when that's an authentic expression for you as a confident man, right, physical aggression, the grunting, the choking, the slapping, all these things that are in the context of, of course, yes, this woman's sexually attracted to you and giving you consent. And that might even be something that you talk about beforehand just to make sure. But in that bubble of, of consent and understanding, to display these things such as aggressive or, you know, things that outside of that might get considered toxically masculine or whatever you want to put on that, right? It's something that you have to sort of do work as a guy to let go of these notions that, no, 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 like in the right way, in the, in the right way, girls like that, but authenticity is key to that. And, and when you get in touch with that as a guy, these authentic expressions of sort of your caveman self, especially in the bedroom, but in other places too, because I think, you know, many men could probably do good to get in touch with like a healthy notion of competitive, you know, c competition with other men, being aggressive, being assertive, being extroverted, all these things that would help you, for example, in business or most fields. Um, in, in other arenas, you're shamed for those expressions. But, uh, you know, in the bedroom, when you get in touch with that, you just start to see that that's what drives women wild. But you really can't fake it. There's certain things that you can't, you know, really fake or you'd have to try much you'd have to be an actor as good as you are to you know fake fake the disconnect and actually pull it off because i think we you know we forget sometimes that it's like women learn these social skills uh, and have higher social intelligence at younger ages so they're just for the most part going to be advanced and their life depends on picking up on those little cues that yeah. could mean danger in the future so it's 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 uh, remarkable how all these guys who would get labeled as toxically masculine or have all these toxically masculine traits are the ones that women are creaming their panties over. <laughs> and and I think there, there has to come a point for a lot of guys when, unless you sort of grew up with a dad who drilled a lot of this stuff into you, yeah, men will, and that's, that's kind of what the whole, uh, whatever you want to call it, the whole manosphere space, whatever you want to call this sort of space of the internet that I'm kind of a part of, yeah, is trying to do. It's trying to wake guys up to just the reality of human nature. Yeah. Because mainstream media is kind of vested in teaching you the complete opposite of what reality is. Right. Because it may, like, what, 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 what makes for us a, a nice, stable society? Well, it makes compliant tax slaves is mm -hmm. really what makes for a nice stable society like, don't don't rock the boat like we can't have every guy running around being a playboy because then there's not going to be any like nuclear families and the tax system will collapse and we're all screwed right so you can't really teach guys the the things that actually work you can't <laughs> you can't teach them and and another thing to consider is that the if men didn't run around buying things for women or for the approval of women or to impress women the economy would collapse in a second <laughs> right? right think about it like like all the like in here in miami all these dudes are out here buying buying tables and bottle service and stuff no. they, they're not doing it for themselves they're not, they're not doing it for that. they're doing it to flex so they can so they can attract beautiful women yeah you know and and the same with all the boats out here all the lambos it's like 
all this stuff is so much of the economy is driven behind the men's need or desire to or to impress and stand out for to attract women to attract beautiful women and when you part of what i try to teach is waking guys up to the to the real true female and male nature yeah and you know what what disney has taught you since you're a little kid uh what hallmark romantic comedies teach you what stupid sitcoms like friends and all this kind of stuff teach you is the complete opposite of how you should and want and should want to behave as a man to actually get what you want out of life yeah. if i'm if i'm following the the mainstream narrative i'm following like oh be a be a, be a nice guy and and you know send send her flowers and and, and chocolates and love letters on the before I've even, I've even met her like try to woo her like it was the 1950s well i'm probably not going to get anywhere yeah but and i think a good measure of is your worldview accurate is are you getting the results that you want out of life if i'm if you're sitting there bashing your head against the wall and you're doing the same things and you're not getting any results well then your worldview is clearly wrong right? <laughs> that's I a mean, great way I, to put it. Yeah. I get all of my students get results every single one of them who follows my advice it works yeah because i know what i'm talking about i understand the female body i understand how to biohack it i understand how i understand i understand how to how to get how to fix men's heads because i understand how to get out of my own head so they can perform under a high pressure situation and it's like to me that is the single biggest indicator of like is what somebody is saying true yeah true true in the sense of it's like undeniable reality yeah. it's almost like it's baked into the physics of the universe kind of truth. I love that. And, and I'm a big fan of, of physics as well because I love this element of like you can you can calculate how fast something will fall from a certain height. And that was like one of my first my, – I didn't – I wasn't so much into chemistry or, or um, uh, uh, biology, but I remember going to physics and just being like, oh, because it's the way the world works, right? And you can observe that and test it and – that theme throughout my life is just something where I'm very quick to reject false authority. I mean, I wouldn't say that I've had you know, problems with authority, but, I, but you go, this person isn't being truthful and honest about how to get from point A to point B. And like you said, we, we see that a lot uh, in modern society. And I was going to say, when I first heard the term manosphere, it was presented to me by a woman who I used to be friends with, but we actually had a falling out over Jordan Peterson because she was calling him. I'm like, oh, I found this guy. He seems to have some interesting stuff to say on philosophy and coming from, you know, I majored in politics and in college. And so I have a little bit of a, you know, way into sort of listening to an academic and dissecting whether or not they're telling the truth. But she was insistent that, for example, he was a a misogynist and an anti-Semite. And I just kept challenging her. I'm like, well, show me that sort of in what he's saying. Because I've now listened to 12 hours of him speaking on these lectures and podcasts. And I don't really see, now, I might not agree with everything he says. And, and politically, um, you know, you get into territory. But of course, politics is everything. But if you take somebody sort of like, is abortion right or wrong? Like these more complex debates. And you, and you just get into sort of the observations of human reality. Right now, you know, these guys who, when you say red pill, that means generally 
you know, a conservative slant on life. However, the things that are most undeniable to me is uh, human dynamics, right? The social interactions specifically between men and women that, as you said, if you want results, try anything you want. But um, like I'm in fitness and it's like I have this interest in kind of exposing people who are frauds and making things overly complicated and giving bad advice because that can be, you know, both hurtful and a waste of time. Um, but I've always been interested in like, let's pare it down to like, what is the simplest thing you can do that actually gets you the most results? And I, I see you as the same where it's like, let's cut all the BS. It might sound whatever, label word, misogynistic, sexist, wrong, taboo. And, you know, I'm sure you get this all the time. And I've all the time. And those words were very scary to me just a few years ago. I wouldn't express opinions or even take a stance or defend somebody because the last it's like being called a racist. You know what I mean? You don't want to be called a misogynist because you just assume that's this giant stain on everything. And every girl's going to believe that. But then you sort of realize it's like, no, 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 actually, we're listening to this very vocal minority um, who are trying to shame us in, in, you know, just, and look, it's a first person observation. I can say, well, this has worked with women and this hasn't. So you can't convince me otherwise, um, you know, compared to some more abstract debates about, you know, what should we do in Syria, right? Those are complicated political <laughs> questions, but when it comes to the, um, the politics of human interaction, the manosphere to me, which again, once was this presented as like this taboo, ridiculous, oh my God, all these men thinking that men need rights and this and that. It was portrayed as a very negative light. So I remember being very cautious, like I can't let anybody know I'm watching these YouTube videos because, uh, you know, it's, it just was presented in, in such a nefarious way to me. Um, but the fact of the matter is, yes, as an instructor, you wouldn't make a living if you were telling people information that, that got them nowhere. And so how do you feel like you have negative feedback in real, like what is the extent of, again, we're on the haters will say podcast. So dealing with <laughs> online criticism and sort of like compartmentalizing it and, and dissecting it and analyzing it before you throw it out the window, ultimately, right? Um, that is always going to be an interesting topic to me. And so maybe you could tell me with the kinds of pushback you deal and the psychological uh, strategies that you employ to get on with your day and not care about it. I'll tell you what, uh, so I actually get a ton of blowback from the porn industry. Interesting. And uh, act, in particular, actress, act, actors as well, but mostly actresses. Well, uh, let me in just interject real quick because I, I remember watching this video where you ranked the women you've been with. And, and like, it, first of all, you were very polite and courteous to like, and like, it wasn't as if, you know, that's, and that's really why I wanted to talk to you because I go, this guy. He says some shocking stuff, but he's not trying to be a shock jock. He's not trying to uh, cause controversy in and of itself. What you're doing is being honest. And you were very, in my opinion, diplomatic, ranking these women in court. You know, here's the experience of having sex. Here's what they were like on set. And Abella Danger is an annoying little brat. And you're like this and that. Like, I, I was like, oh my. Like, it was one of my the most memorable videos ever watched because you kind of like, you peeled back something that it felt wrong to be listening to almost. And you immediately go like, oh my God, these girls, some of these girls in this video are probably not happy about this. Some of them would be, right? Cause remember you talking about Angela White and you're like, had a lot of things to say. And I'm like, but it was cool to get that insight. But I can see how you're, why you're the only porn star who's done that because it's not gonna make people happy. Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am probably one of the most hated guys in my industry yeah. uh, because of what I talk about and what I teach guys and you so you most guys would be shocked to learn that the porn industry is run by feminists yeah 
basically every single girl who works as a porn actress, like in 99% of them, would I would identify as being a feminist. Yeah. Right? And so they'll have very, very feminist views. Uh, this, this, some, some guys find it hard to like piece this together. Like how the hell can they possibly yeah. have work in this industry and do what they do yeah. and then still be a feminist? Forget about that. For cognitive me. dissonance. Yeah, forget, <laughs> cognitive dissonance. But so they'll happily, you know, sort of sell, sell their bodies and, 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 and so did I, like I, I do that too, you know? Yeah. So it's not like I'm sitting here like trying to be judgy about it. No. I'm just calling a spade a spade. Yeah. I'm just saying the, the facts, you know? Yeah. And uh, when I come in and teach guys, like here's a perfect example, actually. This is, this is a really good example. So when I come in and I teach guys how to be more dominant in the bedroom, yeah. right? Say how to like how to do some of these more Fifty Shades of Grey style sex acts, right? Yeah. So how to pull a girl's hair properly, how to choke her properly, yeah. how to slap a girl in a way that she, when she obviously when she wants it, consenting, right? how to do it in a safe way that's arousing and erotic, mm -hmm. okay? When I teach guys this kind of stuff, the kind of blowback I get from the porn industry is is goes along the lines of, oh, he's teaching really dangerous stuff. You shouldn't be teaching this to the average guy because he's going to go out and, and do harm and uh, uh, grape a woman, Yeah. right? Let's, I don't want to use words that might get you in right. trouble. Yeah. Uh, and... I think that's extremely an extremely interesting response from feminists, in particular women in my industry, to what I teach. Because I'm trying to, like, I'm. If you look at it realistically, I'm helping women more than I'm helping men. Right. Because for every guy that I help and every guy that I make a better lover, he's going to have great sex with at least one woman, yeah. if not more. So. Right. All in all, I'm helping more women than I'm that than I'm helping men. Right, you're making but, the world a better place, and that's another. Exactly. Like, I, I wanted to. I, I thought that while you were talking at certain points, but I go, this is actually a very much a net positive to because women want masculine men who know Bingo. how to bang them, right? Bingo. Yeah. And every single one of these these uh, porn stars that will come after me and criticize me wants to have sex with the kind like wants to have the kind <laughs> of sex that i'm teaching guys like yeah. very dominant with a very masculine man who takes control does all those kinky perverted things she likes to do yeah now their res but their response is oh you're the what if the guy uh is socially awkward what if he doesn't quite understand it what if he doesn't doesn't quite do it properly and to me i think it's an it's an interesting response that these women will their default is to assume that every guy who is looking to to improve his life yeah in some way is a potential is basically a rapist right and what's like that's it's like the default the default thought is like yeah. if he's looking to improve himself in any way shape or form then he should not know this information at all i've experienced this in, in smaller levels maybe not to that degree but i've the first time i remember i was getting some books on amazon about pickup and female interaction and i didn't realize this was like a public wish list and this girl that i was hanging out like was was like i was gonna buy you a book on amazon and i saw your wish list and like she was like come on like you know how to pick up women and i'm just like I, 
like I felt so caught off guard, first of all, because it was like the last thing, you know, it's like almost like somebody like opens your porn class. You're like, really? You know, BBW? And you're like, well, I, I, you know, how do I, I didn't even have time to formulate a defense of myself. But uh, what it told me was this person was so shocked that I would go seek out any, even if I was already, I was moderately successful with women. I had girlfriends, but I knew I'm like, uh, I could be doing better. And, I, and there seems to be like a lot to learn just as far as strategies for meeting women who you don't, you're not already in a social circle with really is what guys go to pick up for. It's like, okay, yeah, if you don't have hot friends who have hot friends, like you're screwed because you see that hot girl at the mall and you're too scared to pick her up like or talk to her. You know, it's a deal breaker. It's a dead end. So I remember that reaction. She was like, shocked, disgusted, appalled at the idea of like my self-improvement, right? And throughout my life, in addition to that, I've just seen women stigmatize the notion of learning, like it should all, you should be a master in bed, but it also should be completely instinctual and just a natural extension of what a, yeah. you know, a bad boy yeah. you are and you were born that way with a leather jacket, sunglasses and a 12 inch <laughs> cock. And uh, you know, any any striving to, fix your situation is to be shamed. But yeah. I liked, I mean, yeah, let's continue. I just wanted to interject that to go like, holy shit, you're right. And I hadn't thought about it in those terms and didn't realize that it existed like that in, uh, in the porn industry. But I'll, I'll explain for, for your listeners why that is their reaction to. And it's yeah. basically, and basically every woman will have this reaction yeah. to, to men's self-help in general. Yeah. If she's, if she's with a guy who is, who she considers attractive and she finds out that, oh, he, he learnt something to get this way. He wasn't this way his whole life. Yeah. Right. She will feel duped in some way. Yeah. Here's the reason why. And this is not, it's not a very PC thing of me to say either. So women are inherently kind of born with their value. Yeah. Right. If a woman is beautiful, she like, she's, She's born with beauty. A woman doesn't have to work to achieve that genetic perfection. Yeah. She is she was literally just born with it, right? And that's why men find are attracted to her and want to to sleep with her, right? Men, on the other hand, are born with fucking nothing, <laughs> and they have to build themselves up. They have to build their body, like like you obviously hit the gym all the time. That took years that yeah. didn't happen like you weren't born like that you know you have to build up your wealth that takes time and energy and focus and 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 commitment to actually build up resources build up a network a social network to become the kind of guy who's charming and you know and sophisticated and classy these all take time investments for a man to kind of reach this point where he's a very very attractive mate prospect for a woman right but women they don't have to put that effort in and Women by nature are what you would call solipsistic. Yeah. So they have a they have a I love that word. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite. One of my yeah. favorite words. Yeah. For, uh, for anyone who's not familiar with that with what that word means, it basically means your world solipsism is your worldview centers around yourself. It's a very self-centered. Uh, yeah. You view the world through the lens of yourself. And it's hard for you to imagine how anyone else could have a different perspective, right? Bingo, bingo. Yeah. And so for them, it's like, okay, they assume that, they literally assume that every attractive man has kind of always been that guy. Yeah, He's always been the successful dude. Yeah, And they, they can't really, the, the idea that he wasn't successful at some point and he got to that stage through work and hard effort is almost like 
they they feel like they've been duped and they've been lied to in some way which is yeah. why they have this really because they can't imagine it because for them it's like well i've always been beautiful surely he's always been attractive right they can't see the difference from they can't see it from a man's uh worldview perspective they can only yeah. see it from the female perspective so for them they feel like they've been they've been lied to in some way even I though the guy that. even though the guy even though she's attracted to the guy even though she's into the guy yeah i love that breakdown and that makes total sense to me and reminds me again to, to you know be fair when i used to assume that as a teenager women had the exact same perspective on the hierarchy of attractive qualities that appearance should be first or that if i you know look a certain way and my body looks a certain way that should make me paramount you know in the eyes and and so it's, it's hard to write you're like wait an older guy but i'm younger and more buff and yeah you know so right. that right that really shows you the matrix of when you start to understand all the other things in the hierarchy for what women find attractive but yes that i love that breakdown of i, I of think that's one of the yeah i think that's one of the, the main reasons one of the main causes of relationship problems or like conflict between men and women mm -hmm. is women thinking men see the world that women see it and men thinking that women see the world the way the world see the world the way men see it like yeah. both sexes are kind of assuming the other sex sees the world exactly the same way they yeah. do yeah and you're reminding me i was going to say something earlier about how um number one if you're not getting results if you're being told this is an effective way to do things and this is going to get you the girl and then it doesn't what does that create frustrated incels right you know so that's obviously a big negative outcome that, that you're helping to fix just to you know reiterate that you are in fact doing a great service even though you might be labeled things that that are you know negative and destructive um and then secondly what i also love about the manosphere is it's not just it's not about chauvinism it's not about saying men are inherently better although you might be able to say men are inherently better at certain things on average right Ooh, you can't dunk a basketball like lisa lesa it's like, okay <laughs> like not you know not individually but if you take the aggregate um we can make certain empirical observations about the differences in gender for the most part and part of as and i love how you put it too that you have to as a man build your own value whereas um, we're just on different timetables and different strategies to maximize your value as a, as a woman versus a man. And, um, you know, when you are attempting to get better at picking up women, you have to get inside the mind of a woman. And I know it's possible for women to get inside the mind of a man. And I actually do know, although there is this, you know, cliche that don't ask a fish, you know, how to catch fish if you're a fisherman, right? For the most part, women can be uninformed and sort of not be able to really articulate what they find attractive or might even be worried to because if you're talking to a guy who doesn't have those qualities and saying like, he needs to be the opposite of you in order for me to be attractive, maybe that feels rude. But I do feel like there are some, like Melanie King is an example of one where I watch her content and she would um, uh, cover, I'm forgetting his name, but the guy who just passed, the the, the black guy who was uh, the image consultant, um, who is very- Oh, Kevin Samuels. Know, Kevin says, yeah, I, I feel bad about blanking on his name, but she would cover him in a positive light, because again, I always looked at him as this lightning rod of controversy, and I'm like, but he's making complete sense, and the only things, he's, he's asking women to rate themselves, and you're mad about it, you know? Um, <laughs> like, so it's just, but you see, I love seeing stuff like that, because I go, oh, right, a man who's calmly telling a woman the truth about herself and pointing out the notion that she possibly could be thinking delusionally as far as, you know, uh, how she 
rates herself in comparison to the rest of the world, which to me indicates a big ego issue. What is ego? Like it's, you know, if, if your ego is out of whack, it means you can't assess yourself realistically and therefore anytime you're not getting what you think you deserve, it has to be everybody else's fault because there must be a, a scheme, a plot, a conspiracy against you if you're, if you have this amazing value, nobody's recognizing it. So, um, I do think the manosphere tends to promote, that's all a long-winded way of saying, the manosphere promotes men understanding women and not, there isn't as, I wonder what the mechanism would be for women to understand men. Because when you do meet a woman who understands mm. or tries to understand a, a, a perspective, life perspective uh, from a guy's point of view, um, it goes a long way, right? And can be instrumental in, in a harmonic uh, relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the the problem though is you need there has to be some kind of an incentive yeah for, her, for, a woman, <laughs> right. for a woman to want to understand the world from a man's point of view like yeah. we have a man men have the incentive to want to understand women more, right yeah right? and that incentive is you get laid basically right right but where's the incentive for women to really understand and men a lot more instead yeah. in especially you know in America in in the western world in general yeah that incentive is kind of uh, taken away because you have things like child, like uh, divorce courts and child, like child custody laws and a bunch of different laws that are in place, yeah. which are very skewed, heavily skewed against men. Yeah. And they sort of put, they put a lot of, uh, they, they, they reward women a lot with, without any real responsibility. Yeah. Right. They get, or they give them a lot of, we'll say they give them a lot of authority. Yeah. In yeah. And that's something you were talking about uh, that I thought was a, such a great point was, um, and not that, you know, I've seen many people of different genders abuse power, but you said in a video that I was just watching when women get in positions of uh, power, you know, concentrated power and have no uh, responsibility or checks on their power, they tend to become petty tyrants. <laughs> and then again, that sounds, you know, the other thing is like, whoa, whoa, misogynistic alarm bells going off, but we've all witnessed my, it, you know. <laughs> my exact words. So you're, yeah. you're right. misquoting me at all. To give guy, uh, to give your viewers a context of that, it's, so I, I, I learned this when I, uh, yeah, when I started, you know, helping guys out on the internet, uh, I started sh shooting less pornography and started getting more into the YouTube space and helping guys. I would would get attacks from uh, my former co-stars, female co-stars on Twitter. And what I was observing was, okay, you've got this, you've got these women. Think about think about her reality for a second. So 18, 19 year old girl, she has half a million followers on her social media account. Let's yeah. just say just on her Twitter, right? She her her experience of being on a porn set. This is what it, this is what her reality is like as a female actress on in porn, right? Yeah. Every guy she interacts with on a daily basis tells her she can do no wrong. Yeah, right. Because she she gets to set right. The makeup lady is is sitting there doing her makeup, telling her she looks so pretty, trying to get her in a good mood. Uh, me, the co-star, I I don't want to piss her off in any way, shape, or form. Because if I piss her off, or anyone on set pisses her off, she might walk off set. And then the director's down a few thousand dollars and he hates me. Right. Right? He, he, we've pissed her off, right? So yeah. everyone is, the whole day, everyone is basically massaging her ego, trying yeah. not to piss her off. Right, she's the key. So we, 
Yeah. So she's the she's she is literally the product of porn. Yeah. Like I'm I'm just there to make the scene. I'm yeah. there to make the scene go. But people buy it for her. Yeah. And and by the way, that quote was in the context. Now that I'm thinking of it, I think it there is a universal to it. But you were specifically talking about on porn sets, you know, and yeah, you're making yeah. a great case for why this yeah. is, is. And, and if guys were treated <laughs> like that, you'd probably see more of that too. But in this particular case, like your experience leads to that and you're saying you would get attacked and, yeah. you know. And, and they, they would take, they will take, uh, so 18 year old girl, every time she interacts with a man in, in, in this industry, he's, he's either blowing smoke up her ass or telling her she can do no wrong. Yeah. So then she gets, a, she, she has a ping of like negative emotion because she disagrees with something on social, some words on yeah. social media. So what does she do? Yeah, she, <laughs> she takes her, her throng of white knight soy boy followers and directs that army of hate yeah. at somebody yeah. to get the quote unquote canceled. Yeah. And I think that's, and it's, it's like, or you could just like, log off of twitter and not and or unfollow me but it, it, it's right. this sort of like righteousness of like someone has offended me yes. they must be punished in some way right it's a very I narcissistic response and that's again super narcissistic you know yeah. if i hadn't been humbled at certain ages you know you think back it's just like the experiences that i've had of not having that i i'm sure i would have been a tyrant too if you gave me all of that at the age of 18 and it just told me i was god's gift to everything and nobody was ever criticizing me luckily i was playing college football and on a daily basis told how much I suck on video in slow motion, you know, so that's uh, enough to be like, all right, I can handle some criticism. But it, absent of that, I think it's just very important for the, the human experience because as you're saying, yes, then it, then it becomes, it's not just about your idea of yourself, right? It's like, cool, you wanna be privately delusional? The, the ethical issues come in when you're narcissistic and egotistical and then when somebody disagrees with you, the damage that you feel justified in doing to them because your lack of self-awareness makes you incredibly self-righteous and vicious towards the wrong people and in the wrong direction. Um, so that's that's a great little anecdote. I think Beautifully we'll, put. we'll be wrapping up here pretty soon. Um, I try to keep these to an hour, although I could talk to you, you know, I could bug you and, and question you about everything for hours and hours, you know, and I'm sure that's on the top of your list is to, to talk to Mark Harley about uh, how you got into male escorting. But, um, well, you, man, you can yeah. ask me anything you like. I'm uh, open book. Yeah, no, and I know and that. I'm and I, got, I, and I've still got some time. So. Yes, I, I feel that and, uh, and I love that. I was just going to maybe kind of close off by asking you about uh, the pro I remember I think the first time I heard about you might have been with regards to the sexual dominance hierarchy is that what it's called your program and I was like oh my god it's this much money but, but then I was like well actually if this delivers on what he says it delivers like becoming a master of of sex in a way that drives women wild and not many men have the skill I'm like oh yeah that's it's not gonna be this you know $49 ebook it's gonna be something <laughs> a little bit more expensive but worthwhile so maybe you could you know, I'm not asking for any free game per se, but maybe you could just, uh, because I'd love to be repitched on it, and, and <laughs> maybe I'm gonna go home and buy it after all. But for for guys uh, who are out there listening, who again, don't know your content that well, maybe you could give them a little preview or uh, give us a little pitch on what some of the things are uh, that you include in that program and some of your, uh, you know, the things that you, because there's like uh, hundreds of videos, as I said before, uh, before we started filming, you have so much amazing content on YouTube about all these different topics, but the stuff that's behind a paywall, I assume you feel like it's really worth it. Well, absolutely, and it's and I've literally like saved marriages and saved relationships with with this stuff. It's 
like when you i'm extremely proud of of you know this video course you're talking about because it's yeah. it's been so impactful guys and the way i kind of structured it was i i wanted i wanted to be able to take what's in my head right and download it into someone else's brain yeah that's kind of what I, that was my goal i'm yeah. like how can i take like how can i take a guy who is like shy nerdy insecure uh not confident in himself in the bedroom very timid right yeah. with limited sexual experience how can i take this guy and then basically turn him into me like a complete <laughs> yeah. deviant sexual deviant and this is this is what i came up with <laughs> i i try i basically baby step guys on on like a scale from like zero being super vanilla and tame to like a hundred being you know you could get into a you could get into a bdsm dom sub relationship if you wanted to yeah. right and i try to baby step guys along this kind of spectrum yeah uh because one of the one of the most important things about and i, mean, I kind of touched on this before when we talked about congruency one of the most important things about pulling off some more extreme things in the bedroom is is it's less about her comfort level and it's more about your comfort level if you're not comfortable if i if i want to tie a girl up for example like with some shibari bondage if i want to tie her hands and her legs together and, and string her up from the ceiling yeah. well if i if i'm not confident in it then she sure as hell ain't going to be confident right. in it. You know, I think they you know? should work. Yeah, no, the ceiling should be strong enough. How much do yeah. you weigh again? Uh, <laughs> you know? uh, no, yeah, uh, we'll put a pad down there just in case. Uh. <laughs> so I think, so I basically like to teach guys like from, like I, I try to make my uh, my stuff, uh, it sounds bad, but I try to make it autistic proof. That's such right. a great phrase, my God. You, you so are, you are a true wordsmith. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll break... I'll break what to some to some people is a really natural and an energy feeling kind of experience, and I'll try to break it down logically into like, okay, what yeah. exactly am I doing here? Right? Yeah, a lot and of guys so, need that. A lot of guys do need that step by step because they lack emotional and social intelligence. But I do think you yeah. can, you know, if and they right lack that, ex that they lack that experience yeah. of, of seeing a woman react positively. And that's something I've had. I've heard a lot of guys talk say in response to this stuff is. I could never have imagined myself doing these things until you taught me, yeah. right? So if I, for example, if I'm teaching a guy like how to choke a girl properly, right? I mean, for a, for a start, avoid the windpipe, fellas. Right. It's not, you don't want to, it's not- <laughs> Made not that crushing, mistake. <laughs> we're not crushing the windpipe. We're, yeah. like, we're squeezing on the sides here. Like that's the, key, the first key lesson in, in learning how to choke a girl properly. And- what I do, and and part of the reason why I have to put this stuff behind a paywall is I actually use I it's me and a couple of like real life porn stars demonstrating everything in in real time. Real, I, I can't put this stuff on YouTube because it would <laughs> it, it it violates their terms of so it, you know it's rude bits are not allowed yeah. <laughs> on uh, on YouTube, right? But I can sit there and I can show you guys. Okay, here's how you actually penetrate a woman. At a certain angle, he say you like you lift her hips up like this, or you get her on top of you and cowgirl, and you move her in this certain way, so we can get, you know, the head of your penis hitting her G spot consistently, and that's how we can get an orgasm. It's yeah. there's, a, it, I'm a real nerd. I'm still a nerd. Let's be honest. I'm I'm a real nerd when it comes to like sex because I break it down 
in yeah. this. But that's this what we need. I always say, like, um, you know, I, I tell people I'm a steroid nerd. You know, if I'm giving advice on anabolics, because I've 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 gone through these steps myself, and some guys aren't into that, and they just want to know, like, okay, tell me what to take, and it's fine, right? But you need guys yeah. like you or the best. You know, I, I've been training with Michael Hearn recently, and he's got this knowledge of bodybuilding and the ability to communicate. That's the second part. It's like you could know all that. And if you're autistic yourself, you probably wouldn't, you know, know what to do, but or how to communicate it. But here you are, and you can actually communicate it really well and and, and put yourself in that person's position. So I, I uh, we're gonna have to run, but I really, really enjoyed our our conversation, Sterling, and I really appreciate you taking the time. And I feel like again, I could I could talk to you for hours about this stuff. It's very fascinating to me, and you are a great communicator when it comes to this stuff and I think you make a lot of taboo topics really accessible to men. So why don't you Thank just you. Uh, tell us where we can find you online. I know, but I'll let you do it. <laughs> cool. uh, the, the, if, you want, if you want to digest some of the information that I give up for free, then go to YouTube and type in Sterling Cooper. I'm the first and it pops up. Uh, spell my name correctly though, S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G. Yes. And then you'll, Sterling Cooper, you'll find me. I'm the first uh, result and I have a ton of free advice there. And then if you want to you know, dive into some of the, the paid material that I have, some of my courses and my books and things, you can just go to sterlingcooper.com and you'll find everything there. Amazing. Well, thank you again so much. Uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. And hopefully I'll also be talking to you in the future for a part two. Let's do it. Thank All you, right, Mark. man. I appreciate it.